You're tuned in to the Vintage House Show, home to the original stories of the history of house music as told by the legends, pioneers, and icons. Hosted by Kevin Mega McFall, Lori Branch, and Lauren Lowry. Welcome to the Vintage House Show. It is the takeover for Valentine's Day. My name is First Lady. Sitting next to me is my wonderful husband, partner, best friend, Hugo H. And we go by the, what do you look at? <laughs> we go by the love team. You can already tell this is, <laughs> anywho, a lot of times people wonder um, how we've been together so long. They wonder about Hugo's story. Um, so we thought it'd be a good idea. And uh, our friends and family at the Vintage House Show thought it'd be a good idea if I interviewed Hugo. Uh, because there are some things that people who don't know him as well may not ask. So, Hugo, with mm -hmm. that being said, I love you. Oh, that means you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> no. You, just, you apologize now for something you you going to do. Okay, that's, just, that's cool. Just, okay. It's Valentine's Day. Okay. I just want to say I love you. Okay, yeah. I that's love you, too. Okay. Hope I love you after this. So, um like any good story or any great story, it should start at the beginning. So if you could just walk us through a little a little bit of what little Hugo was like. In other words, that moment when you fell in love with music. That moment I really don't remember. You know, some people can be like, oh man, I remember when I was eight months. No, I, I don't I don't remember that. Um my fascination with music. It's it's just something that has always been. So I don't I don't know what age or what date my family knows, um, but I don't know what what you know what age or what date or nothing like that. You it's just, just always remember. It's yeah. It's just always yeah. It's just always been the fascination with music. Yeah. Well, I I have heard lots of stories from family members because you know that's the first thing you say. Tell me about him when he was little. And the one resounding um, story that I've gotten from your great aunt, your aunt, your 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 brothers, your, your cousins, is that before you could walk and talk, you were involved with some form of music. They would be playing the 45s on the record player, and you would just be standing there looking at the record go round and round and round. And they played music so much. Um, I think it was your Aunt Tilly that told me, they would say, Hugo, go put this song on. And although you couldn't really talk and you definitely couldn't read yet, you would go over and look at the records that were there and pick the right one up and put it on mm -hmm. and, and play it. Mm -hmm. You've heard that story many times yeah. too, right? And, yeah, and you know, a lot of people will hear stuff like that and be like, you'll get the hell out of here. But your family's not gonna lie. Yeah, because I heard it a, a couple of different times uh, from different people, so yeah. So you know. that's that's that that what I consider anointing, because that's where I consider the gift came from. Um, has always just been like that. The, that that particular story I don't even remember. Um, but that's the story that's that even I was told that I could you know I would, my grandmother or my auntie would say, "Go play my record," and I would find that forty five, and I would. And, and put the record on. So, so let's let's fast forward a little bit now. Now you know how to read. You're going to school, and your mother gives like any other mom. 
or dad, you get lunch money mm -hmm. for school. Yeah. And what do you do with your lunch money? Yeah, the hell with food. I spent my money on records. So you you get you did you sacrificed your nutrition. Sure did. And eating lunch was much thinner back then. <laughs> sure did. I spent my money on um on records. I mean, considering the fact records were nowhere you know ex as expensive as they are now, you know. So in buying forty fives and stuff, yeah, that's in albums. That yeah, I saved my money, and this was, ooh, maybe starting in maybe sixth or seventh grade. I was saving my money buying records. So your vinyl collection um, started, or your record collection started, uh, long, 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 long time ago, and that's why you got so many of them. Or you just a hoarder? Which one is? Um, I don't. I think in defense of all of us vinyl lovers, mm -hmm. record lovers, um, I think records is not something that you can hoard. I, I, I think it's it's like a stamp collection. So if somebody collects stamps, you don't say they, they're hoarding stamps. So I don't think you can hoard records. Um, I don't think I'm, I'm hoarding them. I just I just keep my collection. Yeah, you do. You do. See? You do. But I told y'all was... Six, seven wait to, wait copies to, wait of the Philly classics. That's you know. No, that's I mean, but as you know. people that that that's into records like that, if it's a deal, they're they're gonna get it. Mm -hmm. it. It doesn't make a difference if they already have it. If it's a deal, most likely they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna buy the record again. Let so. me just say this: a, a great part of your vinyl collection lives better than we do. I'm just I'm just saying. They're not hot in the summer, and they're not cold in the winter. Are you? I, <laughs> I'm just saying. I was, I was trying to prove my point. Yeah. Okay. Um. So here we are now. You're yeah, I, I have multiple storage units of vinyl, and they're all air-conditioned. I have 24-hour access. Yeah, all of that. Yeah. Keeps me sane. Okay. That, that, that flipping... Through vinyl, mm -hmm. it's it's um therapeutic. It's therapeutic. It's very therapeutic. So let's talk about um your you're starting to become intrigued with with mixing. And this is all before you know Hugo H the DJ, but this is when you're first coming into it. Tell me about that. Um I used to used to listen to this station, um, Disco DAI. It was like one of the first stations that were playing mixes. And I was wondering, because I had some of the music, mm -hmm. but I was wondering how they was going from this song to this song without it stopping. Okay. So that's that that was the the segue point, the mixing point. Um who were you listening to? Uh, some of the DJs that were on at that time. Oh wow, DeVito. Jason. Any Jason? Um, yeah. Um Luvicky, which is um who mixed Moonchild for Captain Sky. Captain Sky yeah. That's one just beautiful. Um these were the cats that was on the radio mixing back then. So my back thing would be around Oh wow, this was the this was the late seventies. Okay. So yeah, the late 70s. So my thing then was listening to them 
I had to have every record basically that they played, mm -hmm. you know, that I really, really liked. I had to get that song. And at this point, I wasn't in record pools yet or anything like that. So I had to rely on like the record stores to either I had to find out the name of the song first. Right. Then I would go to the record store and a lot of times they didn't have it. So I would just ask them, could they order it for me? And that's what I, I can't remember the lady's name. Um, but that's that's what she would do. And she would literally order the record for me. And that's how I got them. So tell me about your your first um, club gig, if you will. Not so much that you got paid to do it, but you were a little young to be in this particular oh, club. That would that would be the Sheba Disco. Mm -hmm. How'd that happen? On 87th and National. They had a they used to have a party on Sundays called the Teenage Disco. Mm -hmm. That um the DJs back then, Ron St. John, Spider Los, Don St. James, um, they used to play. And a lot of times Terrible Ted would do it. Mm -hmm. Um who is one of the best disco mixing DJs ever I ever heard. Um, and when, when me and my friends used to go and they used to do what I heard on Disco DAI, that just, my whole world just like, just blown. It was just like, wow, I, I, I get it. Because at that time I wasn't even sure what they were using. So, when I walked in there, and mind, I think I was 13, 12 or 13, and walked in there because um, I was always tall. So if it was the teenage disco, it was people that were 13. I could lie and say I was 13 because I looked 13. Um, and I actually saw them doing this. You know, okay, so that's how they get the music not to stop. They're using two turntables and this apparatus in the middle of them, which is was a mixer um that just that just did it that that was it that was it you were hooked yeah that was it i mean now mind you even before then i had i had a ton of records before then mm -hmm. um so then what hearing them play they had these versions of records that i didn't have you know because they would have you know 12 inch versions Okay. You know, being young like that, I was buying a bunch of 45 and albums and stuff. And they were playing these versions and it had different, you know, breaks and different parts in it that wasn't in the album. And, you know, I was like, where did y'all guys, you know, where did y'all get these from? And I used to watch Ted Mix um, at this point from outside of the, the DJ booth. And we became, you know, we became really cool. And he would mix two songs, two of the same songs and go back and forth. And he would point, ask me to point to which record was playing. And I would point to one and he would lift that needle up. That wouldn't be the table playing. Mm -hmm. This is how smooth Ted was. Mm -hmm. He would lift that up and it wouldn't be that one playing. It would be the other turntable playing. So in my head, that was locked. Okay, I got to be this damn smooth. This is, I don't even know how he did this, but I got to be this smooth. That's why I'm so literally very anal. Um, on on mixing, on really, you know, if you're in the Midwest and you're from Chicago, we beat holders. That's what we do. That's what we do. We hold blends. That's what we do because that's that's letting the equipment know that you're in charge and you know what you're doing when you when you holding blends. 
It ain't a fluke. You know, you know the record shift right here, you move the pitch here. You know the record shift right there, you move the pitch there. That's control. That's that's letting the crowd that's dancing, that's letting the equipment, everything that you know what you're doing, you know, versus it's falling off, go to the other record. No. So when that when I when I finally saw that, um done, that was it. Okay, I gotta get some equipment, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, and that's when all that just just blew up. So now you've got your equipment, you got your records, you're you're DJing. Um who were some of your friends that were also into DJing with you at the beginning? Um a lot of a lot of my friends came later. Okay. Because I was I was doing it like 78, 79. Right. Like the mixing part and, and all the rest of this stuff. So a lot of the, a lot of those cats I met later I met later. One of the first cats, um wow, that's a good question. Who were some of the people that actually because there were other DJs around right. at that time. We just had we just hadn't and crossed yeah. paths okay. yet, right? Um wow. So I'm trying to remember who were some of the first cats that I actually played with. Um, wow, because every it's like in my mind it picks up at a certain point. Right, right. So I can't. It's hard. I don't remember who were some of the first cats that I actually played with. Um, That's okay. We can circle back. Yeah, to I, don't, I don't. Really if remember. it pops in your head, yeah. you know, Thousand Island dressing. Yeah, I'll, just blurt it out. I'll it's okay. It, it's I'll, okay. I'll blurt it out. <laughs> um, so let's go to uh, you're in high school now at uh, at Harper and you meet a friend. Mm -hmm. And uh, what what year did you all meet before I say his name? What, what did you all meet? Uh, we met. Was it 82? It might be 82. Might be 81 or 82. OK, right. So you meet this guy. He's playing basketball. Mm -hmm. And um, he thinks he's partying, mm -hmm. and you say, "Dude, I'm gonna take you to a party." Yeah, yeah. You want to go to a party? I'm gonna take you to a party. Yeah. And you all have been friends and brothers ever since. And yeah. that would be Tyree. Tyree Cooper. Tyree Cooper. So tell me that story, because this was before house music. Oh, this is so tell me that story. What, that, was that was before he was super producer. Tyree, Tyree, Tyree Cooper. Cooper. Yeah, yeah. super duper trooper. Yeah. Um, that's how how you just really explained it was exactly how it went. Um, we 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 went to the playground mm -hmm. at that time when it was the playground, and Farley was there, and Farley was playing, and I was like, I I do the same thing, I can do that, and you know, of course, Terry was like, get the hell out of here, you you know you can't. So I told so Tom, I said, come over to the crib. So he came over to the crib, and I was doing all of the same thing, and Terry was like. Uh yeah, basketball the hell with that. I want to be a DJ now. <laughs> so um, he was too short to play in the NBA yeah, anyway. But he could he could really hoop though. Yeah. Um so that was that was when I met um yeah, that was when I met Tyree. And okay, in, in his interviews, he always says that he asked me to teach him to mix, and I said no. Uh, for whatever reason, I said no. Okay, to this, clear that up. To this day, I don't remember that, but it, I'm not saying that I didn't do it because it's a lot of people that have asked me that, and I'm like, 
you know, sometimes it's just like I don't I don't think I really have the patience for it because nobody taught me. You don't have the patience for it. Nobody taught me um, how to mix. And that's that's the honest to God truth. Nobody taught me how to mix my my knowledge of music and. Just certain guidelines that I set within myself when playing. Once I saw how it was done, you know, it wasn't a thing of, okay, you put this record with this record or you do this and you do that. Nobody taught me that. I could edit. I was doing edits before I was mixing because I had a, I had a cassette deck. Well, look, a, let's go back to the editing part. When did that start? That started when at the same time that I was getting the records. My father had this old Philco. You know, that's old. Old Philco cassette deck. Um, cassette player and I would I hooked it up and I was playing a song and I stopped it and I did something else with the song and then I I un unpaused it and it was on beat so I boom boom now in my head, I'm like, oh shit, this this and that was it. That was that was the beginning of, of, of me editing. That was the beginning of me editing. So which I be, probably became more known for at a certain point than even DJ. And it was the edits, the edits, the edits. So So you 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 meet Tyree, you're DJing, you take him to the playground, mm -hmm. you're doing your thing. Um at what point did KKC come into play? KKC came into play while I was still in high school. Okay. So people was was listening to me then um, when I was in high school. And what what were you doing on the BK? Wait a minute. Was that in high school? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. Um. What was the show? Friday night audio. Okay. On KKC. And what were you playing? What what kind of music were you playing at that time? When I went into KKC. Um, because the, the story kind of jumps ahead to um to my guys that were on the basketball team. They were they they did to me what I did to Tyree. So they were like, "You want to go to you know you 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 know you're a DJ and everything. You probably you you want to go to this party." And I'm you know you think you ain't I I don't been to parties before. Okay, so Darren and Steve and all them. Um, they took me to the warehouse. Now this is the original. This is two oh six. Okay. Um, yeah, just mind blown. That's I don't. It's I don't it's stuck. What was what was mind blowing was it. about it? Uh, try to explain the, the experience. The, the, when you when you when you went into a party like that, um, the first thing you notice is for me. Well, the first thing I noticed was that sound. I had never heard anything like that. It was that sound. Are we, are we like, um, is, is this censored or whatever? Um, it's at Northwestern University. Okay. I would say, yes, it's censored. <laughs> it, it, that sound would literally make you go home and just tie all your stuff stuff up. Quit trying to, trying to get it like you heard it in that spot for me 
um, because I was, you know, I was just real sound crazy. Still am. Um, then the energy, the energy so thick that you could cut it. You've, you, 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 you've never just, you just never seen or experienced anything like this of what this music was doing to these people. Um, what kind of music was it? Disco. Um, now, when you say disco, because there's always yeah, a thing I, where people I, I think hate, that, yeah. you know, uh, well, you know, this song is house music. So mm. when you say disco, yeah, reference hate. some artists so that people can distinguish. Oh, I thought that was house yeah. music. Well, see, not. well, I hate well, one because I hate multi mixing genres of music. Um, so. It was disco slash danceable R&B. Okay. That's what we were. That's what was being party to at that time. Disco and dancing, danceable R&B. Because you know, you say disco, people want to say Donald Summer, BGS, blah blah blah. It was disco and danceable R&B. You know. So, so basically, if a song came out in '79, it's not a house music song. Oh hell no! But you have people who believe yeah. that. Yeah. So I just wanted. To and my my thing that. is, like I've always said, don't get confused what we mixed with house to it being house okay. because coming into house you still had this whole genre of italian music you had this whole genre of okay so we're gonna, we gonna put a pin in that for one quick second that's just like edm edm is not new and it's edm is is something that they had to call their own EDM is not new because before we were playing house, we were playing electronic dance music. That's what we were playing. Italio, that's what that is. It's electronic dance music. My Mind, Capricorn, uh, Wet, that's the game. All this stuff is electronic dance music. That's what it is. So to, to clear that up, EDM is not new. It's just an acronym. It's just an acronym for electronic dance music. When they shifted from real instruments and bands and all of that stuff to machines and computers, electronic dance music, craft it's, it's work. Done, craft work, all of that stuff, not house. That's not house. And craft work is more borderline tech. tech yeah. So, um, but the stuff, I mean, the stuff that, that, that Frankie was playing, um, from like the, like imagination burning up, um, Geraldine hunt, all that's all that stuff. Could we? Um, which if you got the Jardine Hunt album, I know everybody loves Can't Fake the Feeling, but play could we? You lose your mind. Um, you know, Harold Melvin in the blue notes. Every every anything Philly, a lot of stuff Motown, you know, those those were the songs that were being played. But hearing them, hearing them from the radio to that system. It was different. It was it was way different. It was way. I mean, it to just have something move through you like that, and to look at these people, just just let it all, just let everything go on the dance floor. They just everything. Just. So now, that's your that's your experience in the beginning of going to the warehouse. You you're walking in. You're you're absorbing the atmosphere, the energy, the spirit is moving and washing over you. Let's fast forward a little bit to now you're viewing it from inside 
the booth. Tell me what that experience was like being in the booth with. Well, that was that that was that that experience came with um with Frankie at ten fifteen at the okay. power plant. Okay. Um. <laughs> it was. I don't know. Um. To to some people, it may have been. I don't know what I don't know. That's a, that's kind of a difficult question to answer because I I was well into DJing and everything then, and even from that experience at two oh six, I knew that that's that that's what I had to get. Mm -hmm. I had to get that that energy that all of that. I had to have I, I had to have all of that when I played, um, and and playing and being at the power plant. And I used to sit in, sit in the booth with Frankie every week. Um, and he would ask me, you know, why, why are you sitting, why are you sitting in the booth with me? You, 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 you got it. You, you have it. And that's, a, that's another whole story. Um, but I just used to watch him and how he controlled the crowd. Um, that was one of the most important things that I, that I picked up. And also that system in there. Um, which was also just will make you go home and tear your stuff <laughs> and tear your stuff up. Or when you set up for a party, you you know you had your sound guys in your head. You were going, okay, I need to sound as close to ten fifteen as you could possibly get me. Um, and for the for the other cats that went down the um went down to the underground into the music box, that same sound that Ronnie had, you know, if you were a DJ or whatever, you had, you wanted your sound guy to set you up to as close as you, you know, as you can get to that sound. But the, the sound in 1015 was just so, it was just so crazy. Um, Craig Loftus, because a lot of people don't know Craig had a hell of a lot to do with that sound. Um, a lot of people don't, they know Craig, but they don't know Craig. Um, he was Craig was a like a mad mad scientist with his checklist with, with that with yeah with, with his clipboard with his clipboard because I've told you the story <laughs> millions millions of times he was like a mad scientist with that with that system in the power plant um but it was worth it oh god the it love was, and the care yeah I mean the music it, had a life yeah, of its own it, it was it its own did. entity it actually did I mean he had a, a clipboard and ladders and you know he would be going up and down the ladder and you I, I watched him do it so he would go up the ladder and he would take something and move it like this that's it that's it and he would notice the, the, the he would notice if it was a difference in the sound so yeah he had a he had a, a lot to do with that and um so these are all the things that you that you picked up. And I think a lot of people don't realize that the experience, you're the sum total of your experiences. So all the experiences that you've had um, from, you know, your grandmother saying, you go, go put this song mm -hmm. on for me to your stomach growling because you just saved your money because you want to go get this record to your mother saying, boy, turn that music off yeah. to, you know, <laughs> to you going and doing, uh, doing your parties. Oh, <laughs> uh, those are those. Wait, your mother used to put you on punishment and say you couldn't play no music. My mother, so you put your headphones on. My mother used to put me on punishment 
um, which wasn't often because I mean I was I was more into my music than anything, you know. But sometimes if sometimes if school got in the way of my music, which is supposed to be the other way around, but if school got in the way of my music and you know grade slip or whatever, whatever, she would put me on punishment and she would do one of two things. She would either, um, well, actually she would do one thing. And when she caught me with the headphones on, she didn't, she didn't say anything. She just, you know, it's one of the things you'd be like, yeah, okay, I'll all, see right, you. all right. So if something happened again, I would, you know, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, we cool and everything or whatever, or she wouldn't be at home. And I'd be like, yeah, okay, let me get some mixes in real quick. She took my head shells. She took my needles off my turntables. That's, that's smart. Yeah, that's that's what she would do. And then it was like, okay, well, I can't do nothing now. So that was it. But yeah, that's what she used to do. She'd take the needles off the head shell. Yeah, that, that was real smart. So as, as this is the 40th anniversary of the first house music song that was pressed. Right. Because uh, we won't even get into all we, of the we, other yeah, debates. We're, we're going to leave it at this debate. is the yeah. 40th anniversary of Jesse Saunders right. on and on. Right. So let's that that was that was dated as a house record right. because that whole discussion is even another discussion. Another what came out first? The uh, time to jack or music is the key. Yeah, that's or, an, or, that's uh, another yeah, conversation, another and, conversation. And, and it's not the right now. Yeah. But so, since we are talking about that, um a lot of interviews that, that a lot of uh, people do from Chicago and from other places too, they mention you. Mm -hmm. And so appreciate it. Um, tell me about some of the people that you that you've worked with um, over over the years. I mean, besides you know Tyree, because we started there. But talk about well, the crazy thing Tyree. is back then, um, you know, nobody had those big production studios. So, you know, a lot of the music was made with, hey, let me borrow your drum machine. Okay, such and such going to bring his keyboard over. He got this, he got this, he got this. That's how a ton of that stuff um, was made. Mm -hmm. So from Tyree to MD, Mike Dunn, Marshall, Hale Farley, Liddell, Chubby, Kevin Irving, everybody. I Glenn mean, it, Glenn Underground. Um, it's it's a it's a very it's back then and even now with some people it, it's 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 like a a musical love circle um, because everybody knew each other so somewhere along the line somebody touched something that somebody did it was it was his drum machine it was his his keyboard he programmed this he played the keys on this he he saying background on this you know it's 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 that's how it was back then so um i i want to go back to that but tell me about the what i call the house music holy trinity <laughs> when it comes to djs and friends which would be you tyree and mike dunn yeah tell me because you met tyree first mm -hmm. tell me how you met mike dunn okay um me and Tyree went to school. So I was already, I was on KKC at this point, because I think we was, I think we were seniors at this point. Um, so I was already, I was already on KKC. But depending on that real quick, the, the whole KKC thing, um, K 
kicked off because of my sister, Stephanie, knew Walter to get down brown. So, um, and to even with that, for the real quick pin on that, but the music that I was playing and stuff that I used was used to was because of my mother and my big brother Perry. Because Perry didn't Perry didn't buy your, I guess now would be considered, I don't know, like black music. He he bought stuff, you know, looking glass, brandy. He what what would be jams now? But he didn't just buy black jams. He bought he bought rock jams, and that's how I know so much about all that stuff. Um, he you know brandy, looking glass, and Louis Louis stories, and you know Grand Funk Railroad, and you know all the, these was all this, that. This is what we were listening to at home because this is the, a lot of the stuff that he bought. He bought your Motown and your Talma and all the rest of that stuff. He bought that stuff too, but um, he was very just. You know, he was all over the place with music. So that's what I, you know, grew up listening to back on WLS when it was rock radio. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what he used to listen to. So it, it's kind of like he bought what he heard. He bought what he was listening to, just like I bought what I was listening to on DAI. Um, so I was on the radio or whatever. And Tyree and Mike lived almost like on the same block, like kind of like down the street from each other. Um, so. Tyree would tell Mike, you know, when I would come on here, you know, I know this cat, we go to school, blah, 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 blah. And of course, you know, people be like, yeah, I sure you do. What up? Tyree's like, no, I'm telling you, I'm going to tell them to come over here because they used to mix in the basement. Our friend Pinocchio had equipment down in the basement. And that was like the mixing place that Mike and Tyree, you know, practiced and everything at. So Tyree would ask me time and time and time again to come over, you know, just to, you know, hang out and, and mix. And I would say, okay, and never showed up. So one day I said, okay, I'm coming for real. This time, for real, straight up, I'm coming. So I, um, I threw some bag, threw some records in the bag, and I, you know, I went over there. Now, <clears throat> before I got there, because this is the part of the story that's 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 crazy. Before I got there, they were mixing. 119 slash 117, depending mm -hmm. on how old you are, you, you call it one or the other. Right. And Capricorn. Okay. I need love. So before I got there, Mike kept telling Tyree he's throwing it in wrong. He's throwing it in off feet. You know, he's, he's throwing it in wrong. Right. So, okay, I come, you know, Tyree, whatever, Tyree, you know, this this my boy, Mike Dunn. You know, what's up, Mike? Blah, blah, blah. So, Terry put the headphones on, and as soon as he took his hand off the record, I said, that's off. Mike fell out. <laughs> he just fell out laughing, and that's where the whole Three Musketeer yeah, thing started. Okay. You know, because if Mike was like, I told you, I told you it was off. I told you. So that was that's that was the beginning of, as me and Mike call, Mike up. Okay, so now you, you got the... Um we got the three of you all. You all are our friends, and you're doing um, what you're doing. You're 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 DJing. Tyree is DJing. Mm -hmm. Mike is DJing. Y'all are DJing together. You're DJing separately. Um, where did the music part come into to play? As in, you are listening to Vintage House on WNUR with DJ Lori Branch, Kevin Mega McFall, and Lauren Laurie.
let's talk a little bit about um, the beginnings of house music. When it um, first started, what were what were your thoughts about it? When did you decide you were going to start um, moving more into playing house music? As it because it was the new music at right. that, at that particular time. When when did you say, okay, yeah, this is this is well, most most likely a lot of times when you're in the in the beginning stages, like the forefront of stuff, you don't really look at it like that. You don't look at it to me to answer that question, I wouldn't have had to be a part of it or I would have had to come after mm -hmm. it was generated. But being in it while it's being generated, you're not really you can't really say, well, I think I'm going to start playing house because you are, you're yeah, already playing. playing it. You, you, you know. I mean, for us, you know, and, and some people want to answer the question. Honestly, some don't, you know. When house music started, which was like basically making tracks. Because nobody came out with this full blown ass house song. It right. no. It started with, you know, people were doing tracks. Um to say that, me, Mike, and Tyree were doing tracks before Jesse's record came out. We were we were messing with, you know, messing with drum machines and all the rest of this stuff before Jesse's came out. So when Jesse's came out, as the first house song, we were, we were already into the whole drum machine thing. We were already, we were playing our own tracks okay. because our thing then was we wanted something. We, even with my edits, the thing was I, I wanted something different to play at parties because at that point, all the DJs can go basically get the same records that I had. So I'm going to do something different to this song. So that you're only going to hear from me when I'm playing. Okay. So that's where me wanting to manipulate and change songs around came from. Um, with if they want to call it the house music, that was the same thing that um, myself, Mike, and Tyree were doing. We would make tracks that were our tracks, and they became our like our stamp. You know, nobody else had these tracks, but you know, but us. Tyree had Tyree Jack Master House. Um, Mike had Mike Dunn. I had one called I Don't Know. And you can only hear these tracks when, it, when we were playing. Okay. Um, with we you know with the drum machines. You know, fast forward with that. Um with Jesse, and I'll just throw this little tidbit in there real quick. Um, with everybody, you know, being the first, wanting to be the first and everything, I was the first to play Jesse's record on the radio. Because after they were done with it and it was pressed, him and Vince, I was on KKC at the time. So him and Vince bought the record up to KKC while I was playing. So on and on, we were playing the original version. Um, remixed by Mac, on and on. We were playing the original 2-2-B beat version. So, and, you know, I, I, I keep it a buck about everything. They gave me the record. I put it on her Jesse's and flipped it over. First track, that's 119. I still played the original of that. Boom, 5A. Five, five as soon as I dropped the needle on 5A, 
that was it. And I mixed it in right with whatever I was playing at that time. And it's like 5-8 was like just it. 5-8 was it. Um, and that that was the first, like, with, with Jesse's record, that was the, the, like, you know, what they say is the first house record. Um, I think but we were still mixing everything else with those records. Right. So it, it, it wasn't, if Jesse did the first record, you couldn't say I'm playing house because it was just one record. Right, right. <laughs> so you had to have I'm everybody else. I'm playing Jesse record. record. I'm playing house. And then you mix out of that record and now you either playing disco again or you playing Italio or you playing some some funk stuff or you playing, you know, because it was that it was just quote that one record. So then when everybody else in Chicago got bit by the I'm gonna make a record bug. And, and I think that's what a lot of people thank Jesse for um, because he let us know that it could be done. That it could be so done. we all thank Jesse, whether they do or don't. I thank him now for everybody. You showed us that it could be done, that you made the record and we could also make records too. Right. And that's what Jesse, I think more importantly than anything, that's what Jesse showed us is that we could also make records too. So we did. And that's where all of the rest of the records and tracks and, you know, I saw the DJ man, you know, we're that's not going to go into that's, that. That's what, that's what all of, that's what all these, that's what all of these records and tracks came from. Um, to the point where if you wanted to do a quote, Chicago house mix, you could easily. Cause it's way more than enough music to do it now versus right. when it first came out, you know, you've been on the, the cutting edge of something that's happening. You don't, you don't know which way it's going to go. So tell me about um, uh, Marshall Jefferson and um, the house music anthem, the move your body. The move your body. How, when when you first heard that, how did you uh, come to hear that? Um. Wow. <laughs> Marshall. Okay. So the Sheba Disco changed over to Mr. G's. Mm -hmm. We knew. I knew the owners of the Sheba. Um, and this was way before this was, oh God, this might have been 20 years before uh, Mr. G's uh, with Ruth Lewis and AJ and all of them cats. Um, and thank you, Ruth Lewis, for keeping a jacket and a tie in there. Um, so you could DJ. Yeah, because I mean, you had to DJ, had to dress. DJ's dressed they back dress. then, they had on a tie and a shirt. And stuff back then and i again i was always tall for my age so i always i always hung around after the teenage disco because i always wanted to talk to the djs and i had a of course a zillion questions and everything so some of the times some of the djs wouldn't show up so and i could play by i, I was playing by then um and ruth would just be like you know can you can you stay the rule was I could stay and I could play, but I had to stay in the DJ booth because it was the adults were there now. So you can't have a minor in the club, you know, like that. So I had to stay in the booth. Um, the Sheba went to Mr. G's. We knew me, myself, Mike and Tyree knew the, um, the owner of Mr. G's. And so we had keys. We literally had keys to it. And we used to stay there. Literally, that was like home, like stay, like sleep, like 
literally stay there. We used to stay at Mr. G's. Um, and Marshall, how did we meet? We met Marshall. Um, how did we end up meeting Marshall? We end up meeting Marshall when Mike was staying with Bam Bam. And that's when Bam Bam was recording everything. And this was before Dance Mother um, with Mike. And Marshall, you know, Marshall had the drum machines and stuff. So he used to let us keep the drum machines. This is how we became acclimated to the drum machines and stuff. So again, we made tracks that, you know, kind of like our, you know, our tracks and stuff like that. And when Marshall did Move Your Body, he had bought all the equipment down to Mr. G's. And, you know, he would be down there and he would be playing all kind of stuff. And he gave myself, Mike, and Tyree all of his music before anybody else. And he has said, he has already said this in writing. Before Ronnie, before Frankie, before anybody got it, us three had it. We had it first. Versions that nobody had. So you had Move Your Body before we had, we had Curtis got it. We had Move Your Body before it was even vocals on it. Um, Move Your Body, The Jungle. We had all this stuff before it was even vocals on it, just all of that stuff. Um, and Marshall was actually another one that showed you could do it. You know, he, he you know, it, it ain't like he, he wasn't this classically trained, you know, whatever. It's like play around with this until you get what you want out of it. That was Marshall. Um, he was another one. And, and I'll, again, I'll say thank you, Marshall, for everybody that may have not said it. Thank you for, you know, letting us know that we could do that. You know, all the cats that did it before we did let us know. That we could do it, that it could be done. So let me ask you this then. You you have helped so many other people um, with their music, whether it's just for them to send you their tracks, for you to just listen and say, hey, you might want to do this or you might want to do that. Um, or if you were in the studio with them or whatever the scenario was. But it took years and years and years and years and years and years and years before you put anything out under your own name and when i say years we're talking about what 2015 16 17 something like that over 20 years really and what why do you think that is a lot of times you you're your own you're, you're your own worst critic, really. Um, and I had done a ton of stuff. Um, still have a ton of stuff on reels. And in my head, it's it's not finished yet. It's not finished yet. It's not finished yet. Um, I did a song with DJ Pierre in Jersey um, yep. called Messing With My Head that she sang. And um, at that time, Pierre's wife, honey, summer, summer, summer time, that honey, um, they sang the song. And when we got back home and I played it for Farley and Farley was like, give it to me right now. I'm gonna play it on, I'm gonna play it on the radio. 
you know, because he was still on BMX at that time. And in my head, <laughs> yeah, but it ain't finished. Farley was like, it's finished. It's finished. <laughs> and I guess some somewhere in there, um, that may, and that may have, that that may have been what have you know took me so long to get us to, to put something out. Um, everybody was always, you know, man, put that out, put that out, put that out. Um, I don't know what the, what the stag was on that, why it took me so long to put something out. Um, and then it will turn out that when I did put something out, it was something that definitely wasn't finished. It definitely wasn't finished. It was something but it that hit. it hit. It was something that I laid down because I was getting ready to move. So I was packing up stuff and I had this track in there and I was like, let me just um, sequence this real quick and just, you know, step it up real quick and record it. So I will remember how it went. That's the purpose that I recorded because I needed to remember how it went. Um, and that song was. Or that was and that was that was Shante versus James. Okay. Or as people say, like, the, the same. same. Yeah. The same, the, the same, same, the, the same. same. Yeah. Um, and that came out on Lumberjacks and Hell. But how did that connection um, happen? Because I know for years I kept saying, put this out. Why aren't you putting this out? Put this out. Put this out. Because I would hear the process of you um, making the tracks and you would play them at at the parties and people would go crazy I'm like put it out put it out and you're like yeah it's not ready yet it's not ready yeah. yet so i'm keeping up with all of your stuff because i'm telling you right now if you die before me i'm putting all your stuff out wow. and it's going to, i'm saying it now and it's going to be titled hugo h unfinished business and i'll put wow. it all out and yeah so there it is Wow. So I'm not gonna waste no time. I'm gonna figure you left it for me to put out because if you don't want to put it out, I'm gonna put it out for you. I love wow. you. <laughs> but you know, the thing, the thing with, with Shante <laughs> versus James, um, <laughs> the thing with Shante versus James, um, I gave it to um, my little DJ brother. I gave it to Brian Furious Frazier. I'm a drummer by nature. Brian's a drummer by nature. So the way I programmed those drums, Brian could understand, you know, what I was doing. And he was like, man, let me get that. Let me get that. So Brian got it and he started playing it. And I gave it to one other person, Rahan. Rahan took it overseas and immediately started telling, telling me, you got to put this out. 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 Uh -huh. Okay. You know, so what he would do is he would call, he called me from Japan. He would start calling me from different places where he was. And when he would play the track, he would just hold the phone to the crowd and you could just hear the crowd just losing their damn mind off the track. And he, it did the phone would hang up because that's what he would do. He would be like, I'm trying to tell you, put this out. So I said, okay. I said, I said, Rahan, you hook it up. I'll put it out, whatever. You 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 take care of that, I'll put it out. So he hooked it up. He got me in touch with Marcel Vogel um, from Lumberjacks in Hell. Um, we, we, we struck the deal and the record came out. That and three other three other tracks. Three other tracks. And that and three other tracks. Yeah. 
that I was holding on to that in my head weren't okay. finished um, came out on my um, Lumberjacks in Hell EP. And thanks for the for the for the clear vinyl that was off the chain. Um, so then then um, I did it again with Lumberjacks and Hell. Yeah, right? with the uh, Chicago service. With the Chicago, we did one called Chicago Service. Yeah, and um, I had a track on there on on that one. Um, so who who are some of the other DJs that have been unselfish in projects that they were working on that said, hey, Hugo, you know, um, I love what you do. You're great at what you do. I got this project that I'm doing this remix for this artist, so I'm doing this remix of my own thing. I just want to, you know, I'm going to slide this to you and you see what you come up with. Because um, not, not a lot of DJs will offer up um, that opportunity to another DJ, uh, in as Cat Williams would say or has said, not a lot of DJs that I pay attention to want to surround themselves with DJs who are as good or better than them. There, I said it. From what I've noticed, they don't, it, because when you have a DJ or a producer who is just as good or who in some ways is better than you, one, you got to work now. You can't just do whatever. You got to work. And two, if you're insecure, you worry about them taking your gig rather than realizing you're the one that is building the team. So you, you know, you're the coach, you're building a team. I would want, if I'm building a, a female DJ team, I want the best of the best. I want, I want the ones that are going to rock the crowd. That's what I want. I don't care if they're all better than me. I want them to be better than me. So that way I know we're always going to hit. Who were some of the people that weren't intimidated? These are my words, not his. Who were not intimidated by the gifts that you have from God? My words, not his. Um, no, those are my words. Well, your words, but I mean, I'm saying them now. Yes. Um, and gave you a shot at some stuff. I don't think anybody um, was necessarily intimidated. Um, I mean, any anybody anybody that had had gave me anything, they pretty much knew I was going to change it. Mm -hmm. Almost, um, I was going to do to it what I heard. Um, so your people like Maurice, um, Maurice, Maurice Joshua, Joshua, Grammy Award winning Maurice. Um, what did he? Do? Mostly all of his projects, he would, he would, you know, he would give me, and after each, you know, he would send it to me, and immediately send me what you do to it, send me what you do to it, send me what you do to it, because I would already, I would always recut or, you know, I would do, I would do something totally different to it. He also called me in the studio to, um, assist on remixing a Beyonce song. A lot of people don't know that. Um. So, I mean, it's it's a lot of people being back then, being in the, you was always in the studios. Mm -hmm. So your contributions um, to stuff, it's like I always say, you give because you can. Okay. You don't give because you want in return. You help because you can help. You know, so 
back then that's that that was the thing if if something hey man try this you know hey let me put this here or let me program this or let me do this or let me do that that's what it was right. so that's that's like a for that's like a forever list i did that with some with every damn by everybody that damn near did a house song um we was doing that stuff with you know because again when you were that's how it was you know nobody had those studios like that then you know the studios came later much later mm -hmm. um which is which is how chicago and i'll say chicago house music chicago house music sounded then versus how it's how it sounded now mm -hmm. um because there wasn't those studios and vocal booths and all that type of stuff it was bedrooms and closets in right. bathrooms, and bathrooms. Yeah. um it was that was the stuff that made 70 percent of those songs so so we're in the chicago house music scene now uh this is let's say 86 87 88 89 so it's really starting to gain momentum um not just in chicago but around the world what were some of the the uh some of your favorite places to play when, when you were coming up? Um, wow. Mm. Besides the warehouse on Randolph. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, back then, from Sours, Sawyer, Sours, pick your choice. Um, the Hummingbird, Racquetball Club, all of the all of all of these places, um, I guess because the energy was still raw, and it it was it was it was massive. So when you say it was still, it was still raw, because I mean, because it was new it? and people was they were just getting in they were just getting into it versus. So what what's the difference between then and and now? in terms of oh i wish this was not a sensitive <laughs> show but what, what um, is, i mean i know what i think but this isn't about me this is about you so what do you think well the thing what's the difference the thing um oh definitely in mendel playing mendel was just yeah. oh yeah oh yeah playing, playing mendel, Ooh, mendel was, was like nice. was like the power plant and the, the warehouse 206 that was like that was like mendel for people because get into those spots right, we because because and it was for that reason okay you knew you knew who was playing at the power plant you knew who was playing at the music box and stuff but back then people went to parties because that was, that, the, place that was the place to go that was the place to be it it, it wasn't necessarily about the dj it was about going to that party mm -hmm. you had to be at that party and that was the difference between then and now now it's 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 you know and we'll call it what it is you know from the clickish well i wish this was this from the clickish stuff and you know this dj and that dj and this this following and that following and all the rest of that which is great i mean it, it's it's cool people go to they go to hear who they want to hear see the difference back then was people traveled to go to parties now it's more like cheers you know you want to go where everybody knows your name you want to go you know at home and you'll go out of your range if that dj is playing there but you won't go out of your range to hear 
somebody else that probably will turn you on to something else. You know, that, that a lot of that doesn't happen. You know, they, they, they just, they follow like, like checkers, like those, those squares on the chest on the checkerboard aren't going to change mm -hmm. and they'll move around, but they're not going to change. And that's how it kind of like is now. It's like people move around this club, that club, and you know, whoever would, you know, but they're following these same group of people. And it's not going to change. You know, you have to go somewhere and listen to something else or something different. And, you know, we went to parties. See, we went to parties back then not knowing what we were going to hear. Versus people go to parties now to hear their songs. And this is a huge difference. I mean, and even with that, you know, somebody will come up, even if, you know, they come and they want to ask you about it, you know, hey, man, can you play such and such? And and it's not being an asshole, but I'm an asshole. It's not being an asshole. This is a censored show. Okay. I, it's a lot of, do you know how, Go you, ahead, just you know how much I've censored myself. Oh, uh, <laughs> go, God. <laughs> I'm sweating. I'm censoring so much. Um, and people, you know, people ask you to play a song and I promise I just I just say, then you just listen to that in your car on the way here. And then you come in here and you want to hear it. And then when you leave here, you're going to get back in your car and play the damn sound, play the same damn song again. So they don't come to here. They don't party like that no more. You went to the party because that was the party and by the end of the night, you wanted to know what that song word was versus you know every damn song the DJ played. I think I think then people were more open to ex having new experiences. Exactly. Then now it's and, it, and this is not everybody, but for a lot of people, um, it's it's a safe space rather because when you go someplace where you've never been before to hear music that you may have never heard before by a DJ who you don't know, and you're in an environment that you're not familiar with, you really have to be comfortable in who you are to say, I want to learn something. I want to experience something new outside of what I've been doing. Cause it's gotta be more out there. And I think, uh, once you start to travel outside of your mm -hmm. normal square, once you move off the checkerboard and start playing exactly. chess, you realize, oh, okay, oh, this is nice. No, it's it's more so once you move off the checkerboard and let's say start playing. What's the game where you call a a, a, a color and you reach for it? Uno. No, when you reach for it on the oh, floor. Oh, Simon. Oh, Twister. Twister. Yeah. See, Twister. It might not move, but you it's something different every time mm -hmm. you know you're gonna have to bend and stretch and move and do something different every time yeah. um the thing the thing with the with with the music is that 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 we just spoke on and the fact that certain parties have certain themes and this is just one of the things that always used to piss me off certain parties have certain themes and people will go to a party knowing that they're not gonna hear this type of music. Then don't go to that party and mean mug the DJ or complain about what you're not hearing. If you want new house music, then go where they're playing new house music. If you want the old school disco type stuff, then go there. 
it's it, we're in Chicago. It's it's a place open every damn day. <laughs> every night somebody's doing a party playing, you know, playing music. But don't go and then say that party wasn't this or this this party wasn't that. But you knew that before you went. You you knew what what to expect. Right. But you also knew say new house music versus um hate this term old school stuff you know the old school is familiar and you know the old school is gonna feel like home right you know and people can man i'm tired of hearing the old stuff and blah 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 okay but then aren't they remaking a lot well of those? well and, and that and thank you that becomes my thing man play you know and i well i played a ton of new music man but if you look at the spectrum of it, if you go on track source or any of the rest of these beat ports and all the rest of these different sites, whatever music, and I've done it and I've showed you, I will pull up 20 songs. And 17 of them are remakes of old songs. Right. So then my thing becomes I'll play new music when you make new music because I then I had to digress and say, you know what? I get it. You're not recreating these old songs for me. You're creating them for the new house generation. Good point. So I, I get that. So I really had to, that was just one of the things I really had to let go and be like, okay. So then it becomes a thing with me. Okay. Am I going to play this new? First of all, if you make a new version of an old song, it better be that. It, it, it better be that. Cause just making it and because it was a it was a you know it was a hellified song and it's like man let, let's redo this but you don't do it no justice i'm gonna play the i'm gonna play the original i'm not gonna play i'm not gonna play the new version i'll play the original mm -hmm. if you're not gonna do it no justice don't do it period don't do it me personally i everybody else can do what they want to do um I'll, I'll stick to the original if what you did ain't complimenting it at all putting putting some drums on it and no, that, no. So what do you think um, is the difference between the way we view house music now in terms of the, 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 the entire culture of it, the entire lifestyle of it, um, the way it is now. And when I say we, I mean, those of us that were there in the beginning. So this is like, you know, the way we're viewing um, our child in the beginning versus the way we treat our child throughout the, 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 the journey to today, the way it has trans, trans, uh, transformed because some folks say, you know, in the beginning, we loved it. We, we embraced it. We did all these great things with it. And then we just said, ah, and gave it away. And now we're, we're bitter because other people um, other ethnicities, other whomevers that are not, you know, from not necessarily not from Chicago, but are not from the community, um, are coming in and they're bastardizing it. Some people say, or they're stealing it and trying mm -hmm. to change the history of it. Do you feel like we bear the responsibility, or we bear not the blame, but we? must take on some of the responsibility of what has happened to the house music culture, the, the music of the business of house music and all of that from back in the day when we had a firmer control on it 
a little bit um, to to the way it is now? Well, coming in coming into it back then, we didn't know nothing. Right. We so didn't know we, we didn't we, know the music business. We didn't know the music business. We didn't know any of that. We we were more just high off of our stuff being played in clubs. And when it got, you know, to that point of it being played on the radio, to it being played on the radio, the business aspect of it, everybody got rear ended. Is that why you never signed with a record company? That's why I never I I never signed with a record company and Tyree and I lived together. Um and he told me, even in in if he, he told me, if you do any remixes for be it DJ International, Tracks Records, blah blah blah, don't sign. Now this is Tyree, who was signed to DJ International. He told me, don't sign, don't, and I didn't. So the the difference between then and now. Um, to hit on what you said, yeah, we gave a lot of, we gave a lot of it away. We gave a lot of it away because we didn't know and we didn't know. And we also didn't know what we had. So that was the biggest difference. We didn't know one because, and not traveling overseas at that point yet, the labor owners, they knew, they knew they, they were making a killing over there but we didn't know so when we went over there finally and went went in their studios literally we just we we literally just start we start doing what we did at home and as what anybody would do they paid they paid attention and they listened so all of the little tricks and trades that we did at home we were doing overseas so then the sounds, these, you know, this sound comes from overseas. That's very close to what we're doing at home. And it's, it's kind of like, well, you can't say um, you don't know how they got it because we gave it to them. Right. You gave the recipe we, to we, the secret sauce. We gave, we gave the recipe. Now, on that note, saying that I always say, and this part shouldn't really be censored, Bruce Lee could never kick his teacher's ass. Because right when Bruce thought he had him, that one move that the teacher never taught Bruce, and that would be the end of it. So we gave them everything but that one move. Now, we don't really know what that one move was, but it was close enough for them to come close to what we were doing, but not quite. So that's what kept us going. That's what kept our sound going. Not, not, not quite. And I think Phil is something that you they 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 they, they couldn't they, they didn't have they the same feel that we had. They, they didn't have the same feel, feel that we had. And that's what the, the the programming and how we did drums, um that that part couldn't be matched because we would go to studios and certain studios, even in New York, certain studios wouldn't want to do our drums, Chicago drums, the way we did them. Because our kick was all over the, just in your face. Our kicks was bleeding. We didn't care. And New York was more like this. Everything. Chicago was, we was like this, but the kick was here. And they, they, it, it, it would just frustrate the hell out of those engineers in New York to, 
bring that kick up like that because that's just not where they would do, especially with Tyree. Tyree had one of the hardest kicks. Um, <laughs> uh, he he Tyree toned it down a little bit for tone for turn up the bass, but hardcore and acid over. Terry had one of the hardest kicks um, coming out. So just certain stuff like that, that, that we would do that still kept, you know, kept it ours. Um, it's the, it's the, the, to answer the question, the difference between then and now is the same thing that happens with most things that um, let's say take off or quote become successful. It becomes corporate. It becomes it becomes a business. Yeah. And sometimes doing the business gets in the way of the art. Getting gets in the way of, of the art and not having that same passion for it because out of a hundred uh, out of a hundred percent of passion, now seventy percent of that is going for the money. So you you start losing that that grit and that grime and that, you know, and then, you know, as the course as technology goes on, you know, stuff started getting, stuff started getting too pretty, you know, and too fluffy, you know, when it came to house music, it started losing a lot of the, the, the grit and, you know, and everything is it, it, you know, it just kind of became commercial. Yeah. It became commercial because then you had commercial artists wanting to do house music, you know, and they're in, you know, multi-million dollar studios with SSL boards and, you know, all the rest of this stuff. And they're, they're, they're beautifying and prettifying, you know, the house music sound. Like, no, that's not what they that, Yeah, that, no, that's, <laughs> no, you know, we, we, we came from that grit, from that grit of the different machines that we had to borrow and hey man don't hit that cord because you're gonna throw the midi off or the sink gonna mess up or you know okay you start that and i'm gonna dj the machine and keep it on beat you know this is all the stuff we we did back then making those making those records these were actually records that we made you know doing that mm -hmm. um you know and you know that's that's like a lost thing now you know because now everything's digital and um, I'm a dinosaur. Everybody knows I'm a dinosaur, which is why I still have all my vinyl, all my records. Um, so I still have all my equipment and all the rest of that stuff because people will say, "Oh man, you know, get this plug in." Da, 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 da. Why don't I just use the, the 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 piece of equipment? You know, it's something in that piece of equipment that this plug in ain't gonna be able to do. Mm -hmm. Now for all these high end. You know, people, they're going to be like, no, shit, no, it ain't that. It's, I can make this plug in, do everything, da, 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 da. Okay. And they're, they're probably right. I don't know. They're probably right. I'm, I'm, I try to stay a purist with, with that sound. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, even in studios, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to compress a lot of stuff. I'm not trying to gate a lot of stuff. I'm trying to let the machines breathe and do what they do, um, to keep that sound as authentic as I probably, you know, as I, possibly can so that's the difference between then and now i think it's just the the corporate and aspect part of it um you know it, it kind of gets into a business and then so you you start you start mimicking yourself 
I so think you're starting to sound the same. You start you sounding the same. the same. You start sounding like, the same. Everything sounds like the song you did before. Exactly. Okay. Now, if you had a massive hit, you know, the label, if you're on a record label, they want you to come with something that sounds almost just like that one. You know, that might not be what you want to do. Um, but it's kind of where but, it's but, it, but it's kind of it's, it's kind of where it's stuck because that's where it is. So then you and you start ending up with a whole bunch of music sounding together. And then if you have new cats doing music and that record was massive. Now they're like, well, we need to, if we do something that sound like that, we're going to get put on, too. So everything is beginning. To so sound everything the same. is beginning to sound the same. See, the difference between the old equipment and the new equipment, if you're not um, manipulating your equipment now, then I can go buy the same plugins and have the same sounds that he got. Versus back then, we made sounds. Hey, uh, hit that spoon on the table, let me sample. This is the stuff we was doing. You know, get, get, you know, I remember being with, being with Glenn and he had this, like some beans in a can or some like rice stuff in a can or something like that, you know, and he would, you know, shake it and that was that sound. So for somebody to be like, yeah, I got that sound. No, the hell you don't. No, you don't. I, you got a can of beans. You got, you got you got a can with some shaker stuff in it or whatever. And that's what and that's what you know you know being around you know you know stuff like that. And now you know if they got the plug in and they didn't manipulate a sound in there, if they didn't change it some kind of way and they just used it as is, then he got that plug in, he got that plug in, he got that plug in, he got that plug in. And now you have all these different songs, but they all, have, they all have the same sounds in them. So, so it, be, it, it, it becomes kind of boring sometimes. Yeah. Honestly, it becomes kind of boring. And for me, if I get bored with the new stuff, I'll go back to the older stuff that fell through the cracks. And I'll start playing that stuff, and I will have people coming up to me, man, what's that? Dude, this came out in 87 sometime. That's what you call new old stuff. Yeah, new you know, that's, and that's, that's the way it goes. Thanks for listening to the Vintage House Show podcast. Please subscribe and share, and check us out live, WNUR 89.3 FM, Wednesdays at 10 o'clock.